<clears throat> well, I was, I was wondering if you wanted to um, do a podcast episode, if I record, and then we. What do you want? Uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, it's a pretty it's pretty standard. So basically, I just like that theology. Um, I like talking to people about the Bible and theology, and I just find that during the discussion, the discussion get really interesting, and then you get different points of view, and you're kind of synthesizing your views, and then before you know it, like magic is happening, and you know your mind is kind of spinning, and it's kind of exciting. So sure. yeah, no, um, we can do that. That's fine. Okay, cool. That'd be fun. Um, so so I just usually start out with three questions, um, and they're the, the simple questions I call them, but it's who are you, why are you here, and where are you going. So we start simple. All right. It's kind of a joke because those are like the big questions, right? But yeah. But you can answer well, them as literally as or as cosmically as you like. Sure. Well, my name is Adrian Delang, and I am married to Kaylee. That's part of who I am. We've been married for almost three years. Um, where am I? Um, I am a pastor in Grand Junction, Colorado, uh, at a Christian Reformed church. And uh, it's a Christian Reformed church that does not really have its identity in being Reformed, or certainly not in being Christian Reformed, uh, but has its identity in, in a bunch of people coming together and loving each other uh, from a bunch of different traditions and experiences and life stories, uh, and, and sort of rallying around God and his love and, uh, and his sovereignty. Nice. And there is something very Reformed about that, um, but, but they wouldn't call it that. Cool. Uh, another part of where I am uh, is I'm in my first church uh, straight out of seminary. I've been a pastor now for about eight or nine months. Uh, I started in August 2014. And so I'm still figuring out uh, what it means to be a pastor, uh, what it looks like, how that um, is a part of who I am, and yet um, what the boundaries are for that as well, um, because a, the past being a pastor is not the entirety of who I am, even though it is mm. a big part of who I am. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so part of who I am is figuring that out right now, or where I am. And then where am I going? Uh, long, well, short term, hopefully not going anywhere. When I started here at the church, the church had a um, has had three pastors in 15 years, staying about five years each. And that's been really difficult for the church. And so one of the commitments I made to myself, not to the church, but to myself coming here, was that I was going to try and stay as long as possible. Uh, certainly wanting to stay longer than five years. So in a geographical sense, I'm not going anywhere, uh, except maybe on vacation in a few weeks. Nice. Where are you, uh, where are you going? Uh, we're going to California to visit my wife's, uh, Kaylee's sister and brother-in-law, and our little niece, Cameron. Nice. That's awesome. But I think also where we're going, um, where I'm going, I think, is uh, to try and take an organization, uh, New Life Church, and to give it a give it a stronger sense of its identity, um, somewhat in the Reformed tradition, but mostly in Scripture and in, in God, um, to build community, uh, to build up Christian leaders who are able to articulate their faith and understand what it means to be a Christian in a secular context. Um, and even in a context that's antagonistic toward Christianity, whether that's their work or their peer relationships or, um, 
or even evangelism settings. Cool. That's awesome. So yeah. that thanks. So if it's not abundantly clear, Adrian and I are brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so theology kind of runs in our family. Dad's a pastor as well. Um, so for this podcast, I just kind of want to like make it just as if we're talking like we usually do. You know, it doesn't have to be presentational mm-hmm. or just kind of a flowy kind of conversation. But that's good. That, um, so I want to pick up on some of the things <clears throat> that you brought up a number of times now. Identity. Yeah. You, keep, you kind of, it seems to be a through line in all of the things that you were saying. <clears throat> Being a pastor, you're trying to have your identity not in, I mean, a part of your identity is being a pastor, but that's not the whole of who you are. And the same with your church. Right. Um, you, you know, you're a reformed church, but that's not that's not the identity of the church. So if you want to speak right. to that a little, what, what is identity then? Yeah, well, I think um, <clears throat> this is it's an interesting question for me because all of us have stories. Um, and all of us have an identity, and yet more often than not, we don't stop and wonder what that is. Um, we don't think about what does my story look like? What is the trajectory of my life, and where is it taking me? Um, we don't ask that question, and we, and we don't wonder about uh, who, who, how, are, how is what I'm choosing to do now shaping what my future will look like? Hmm. And so... So for me, on a personal level, uh, we're, you know, saying that that being a pastor is part of my identity, but not the entirety of it, is something of is, in a sense, just creating healthy boundaries. But in another sense, um, it's recognizing that if I want to have a um, if I want to have a fruitful ministry here in Grand Junction, and if I want to have a uh, longevity in my career then I need to find my identity in something other than uh, just my career. Or another way of saying that is that my identity first needs to be as a Christian and as a child of God, and then second as a minister and ministering to people. Uh, I think often as Christians we can get caught up with the importance of output and the importance of uh, evangelism and sharing our faith or sharing what we know while downplaying um, the input that we need in order to be able to do that. And if that's true for Christians, it's even more true for pastors, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the personal <clears throat> side of it. On an on a, um, institutional level or a community level, uh, shaping the identity of the church basically means uh, that our community is defined by more than the fact that we just happen to be people who show up regularly at the same time in the same place. Uh, there, there has to be something more than um, our sort of shared geography on Sunday mornings. That There has to be something more than that that binds us together. And what is that? Hmm. That's really the question. Um, the, the simple answer to that is that it's our, our faith in Jesus Christ. But, but there needs to be more than that as well. Um, because, you know, we share our faith with Christians around the world, but Christians who are in different contexts and and, um, and express that faith very differently than we do. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, go ahead. Is it, is it sound like, it sounds like, um, is that like a, a, a rootedness or whatever, like where you find your, your roots in Christ and then everything else kind of flows out of that one core? Is that, would that be an accurate way of describing it? Yeah, I think so. Um, <clears throat> but it's, but it's, 
I think having an identity, you certainly need to have a core, but you also need to be able to put flesh. You know, you, you have to have a wow. skeleton, but you also have to be able to put flesh on the yeah. bones. Or a spirit, uh, and then you have to have flesh around the spirit. Yeah, yeah, whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah. Um, and so the, the identity is is saying, okay, simply the fact that we are Christians doesn't mean that we're equipped to live in community with one another. We have to build, We have to work on more than just that. That's the starting point, but that's not, I mean, that's the cornerstone if you want, but that's not the building. Um, that's just the thing in which everything else needs to be built around. Interesting. Okay, so you, don't, a... <clears throat> you don't lay down a foundation and then say, oh, the house is finished. Mm. That's just where you start. So I have a question. When I, was, when I was a kid, a kid, when I was 20, I was like, you know, I had all these identities, socialist, vegetarian, you know, vegan, right. like there's all these, all these things, and they all gave meaning to to actor. Um, they all gave meaning to to who I was and to to where I was, and and they kind of, but they all, every single one of them, be, got exhausted after a while, and they mm-hmm. kind of were dead ends. <clears throat> and and so what I found as I was growing in my faith was kind of an, an erosion of um, of these identities. You know, I found I found yeah. actually Christ to be not just the cornerstone, but in some ways he, he was very erosive. Now that's not to say that like, as I grow in faith, I don't, I don't, you know, care less about animals health or anything like that. It's just, right. I, I care less about that identity, right? I care less about that label. And I have hamburgers once in a while now. Um, but th- th- does right. that make sense? It's, it's less of a, Absolutely. So I, I wonder if you have, if you can speak to that. He looks like you got, so, so there are, um, yeah, I was reading a newspaper article earlier today, which uh, you sort of reminded me of as you um, as you're talking. But I think there's a sense in which um, what you're bringing up is the fact that um, the reality that all of us have our identity in something, mm-hmm. um, and and maybe it's the way that we eat, or maybe it's our sexuality, or maybe it's our um, our our family, or maybe it's uh, I don't know our our hobbies. Um, or our job, you know, many of us have our have our our identity tied up in our our employment. Anyway, uh, my my firm belief is that um, if you have your identity rooted in anything other than the gospel, that you will always come to the end of that thing's ability to define you and to provide for you. So maybe another way to say that is that is that. Um, a relationship with Jesus Christ is the only thing that can ever truly satisfy us and ever truly uh, fill us in the way that each of us wants to be filled. That's good. That's very good. Um, I'm curious what that is then. Like, like, what is the gospel? What is relationship with Christ? Is it, is it the sinner's? Pr- like, how? How? Yeah, maybe how is a better question than what? Like. How does that look like? Like what? Because um, it's easy to say these things, right? And and, and so right. sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes you know, say, oh yeah, no, no, make sure, like, so for example, make sure God's first in your relationship, right? That's mm-hmm. always what you hear. But then, but then you, um, and so your identity's not in her; it's in it's in Christ. <clears throat> but then you're you're saying that, so you pray every morning, Lord, be first in my relationship, and then you go and you spend all day, um, you know with that person and, and making sure that you're pleasing her and making sure she's always satisfied. And so, so what does it exactly look like to have your faith in, in Christ and, and how is that different? How is that countercultural? How does that inform the rest of? Yeah, well, 
I think that's the million dollar question. Okay, yeah. um, and, and I can I can give you some um, generalizations uh, and I can give you some specifics in my own life. Uh, and I will do that in a moment. But but it's important to say first, I think that uh, each person needs to ask and answer that question for themselves. Mm. Um, wow. Also, you know, not not just in a vacuum, but but given some guidelines. So so the way that I would or sort of the guidelines that I would give would be to say that uh, having the gospel define your life, first of all, means that you know the gospel story, that you know the whole gospel, that you have an understanding of the world that um, fits with what God has revealed in his word. And so so the basic gospel message, I would say, is that God created a good and perfect world, uh, but that humanity fell into sin, and uh, because of our sin— both inherited and personal, we will never measure up to God's perfect standard. And so we need uh, we need a mediator, and God, by his grace, provided Jesus Christ as a mediator, as this perfect man and yet perfect God who came to earth and lived and died and paid for our sins. And as a result of, the, of that, we are not only equipped uh, and invited to live holy lives, that is, lives pleasing to God, um, we're also invited to live lives uh, that our good works are worked out in response to and in thankfulness to God for his gift of grace for us, with the full assurance that though sin remains in this world and that though evil remains in this world, eventually God will come back, or Jesus will come back and return things to the way that they ought to be. Not Boom. the way that they were, but the way that they ought to be. There we go. Gospel of five minutes. Well yeah. done. So, so if you, I mean, if you can articulate that, then then you know the story. Yeah. And and I think that's important um, because the next piece is then finding your place in that story. And and so so being able to articulate the story of the gospel is one thing. Um, but then seeing the second piece is seeing how that applies to my life. Um, so, so coming across a situation where, um, or, or just waking up in the morning even and understanding that I'm a sinner in need of God's grace. Um, you know, I have a lot of people in my, um, in my occupation. I have a lot of people that say thank you to me a lot for a sermon that I write Mm -hmm. or for a visit that I make or for, uh, a word of encouragement or a letter or, or whatever. Um, essentially, a big part of my role is to help people, and often people are very appreciative for that. And if I weren't rooted in this story, it would be easy for me to go home at the end of the day and think, wow, Adrian, you're a really good person. Uh, you know, people really look up to you. People really think highly of you. You are, you know, better than, than, than your average person. Mm. Uh, and yet what the gospel tells me is that, in fact, that's not true, that I'm a sinner the same as everyone else in this, uh, in need of the same grace that everyone else mm. receives. Yeah. Um, and what's more than that, the good works that I am able to do, uh, they're, they're only because of God's Holy Spirit working in me. Yeah. The results uh, of the grace. So, yeah. And so then the, the, that shapes also the way that I live my life because then I, when I get into situations uh, like the one we talked about earlier, uh, this week we had a mother in our church who had her baby die a, a week before she the baby was to be born. 
uh, and when I get into a situation like that, I recognize that I'm going to, I'm going to go into this hospital room, the door is closed. And yet before I go into the room, before I knock, I stop and I say, God, I need you to give me the words because I am not the savior here. Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can say that will make this better. I need you to be with these people and to be with me and to give me the words to say, to simply be with them and to let them know that they're not alone because I can't fix this. Wow. That's really good because I have, I have the opposite problem sometimes. Um, this, this last week, um, or even actually I think it was yesterday, um, so I was, I was getting my paper back. And I was really anxious for some reason. You know, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like I kind of went kind of snarky in it. I was like, and I and I took a position that was that was specifically um, um, kind of crapping on the 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 professor's uh, philosophy, not not his personal philosophy, but I, I I went against like modern enlightenment rationalism. That's kind of what I was railing okay. against a little bit. And and he was uh, he is kind of like a modern enlightenment kind of dude. That's all. I didn't say specifically anything. So he was critical. So he, he wasn't super critical, but I was so scared to get it back. And then I got the paper back, and, um, and, and I got a B plus slash A minus, and so I was like, yeah, that's pretty good. And then uh, – um, and he just had, like, good comments. And then the one, the one thing in there, but he was like something like uh, postmodern preaching is, is, uh, is unnecessary and, and – uh, um, po- po- yeah, postmodern preaching against the evils of enlightenment is, is, is not necessary. Um, and and or it, not that it's not necessary. It requires, he said, it requires, um, uh, it requires um, uh, defense and not just more assertion. Because I think I was just kind of being sure. Like, so good, good comment, right? But but yeah. then I I just get get overwhelmed with anxiety, and it took me like an, an hour of like trying to center myself and and get kind right. of out of this this my like oh am I a bad person because I you know like is it am I being rude and um uh. Yeah, right, this, this, right. this who am I question is so important in those moments. And, and so I'm wondering how and, – and I did like through prayer. It was, it was, it's kind of a mysterious thing because I'm just like, okay, God, I don't know how to, how to stop this anxiety. I want to root myself in you and not in my performance. And, and then I can right. also say you know, he's correct, right? I don't have to be defensive. I can say, no, no, he has good points. There's, there's things I right, can right. change. But that doesn't – it's not that I'm – there's something wrong with me if I don't um, – no. And if I if I am just because I, I have some some snark or some you know a little bit misguided in my arguing that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me but but for so I think that's an experience for a lot of people uh, especially creative people with their art you know someone's like oh I disagree yeah, yeah. with this it it, it it wrecks them and uh, yeah and I, so I'm wondering if 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 uh, this identity thing can speak to that like what oh yeah absolutely so so the example I gave was sort of the opposite of the one that you're giving, you know? Yes, so exactly, like, exactly. People in my situation um, or, or in similar situations need to be humbled in some way by the gospel. And, but but it it's not that the gospel, what the gospel does is humble people. Um, what the gospel does is tell us the truth about ourselves. And, and for some people, that means that we need to be humbled. For others, that means that we need to be encouraged mm. because because we're not realizing the the value that we have as individuals, um, and, and and so, you know, I think there's sort of two things to say. One is that 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 um, the gospel is the only story that can tell you the truth about who you really wow. are. Every other story, every other identity that you have, only either either doesn't tell you the truth about who you are or tells you only an aspect of who you are. Mm. Um, 
you know, having your identity in, um, in your career, for example, um, can tell you some of the truth about who you are, but not the entire truth because your, your occupation is only a part of who you are. Um, and it's not the, it's not the cornerstone. It's not the main part. Hmm. So, so that's the one thing to say. I think the other thing that I, that is important to say, uh, I think is that especially for creative people and especially in our postmodern, uh, culture, I think the the advantage that we have in a postmodern culture is this emphasis on story, which as a helpful corrective to modernism reminds us that we're all part of a story and being part of a story uh, necessarily means that we haven't finished, that we haven't arrived. And so each one of us uh, is on a trajectory somewhere from somewhere to somewhere, yet none of us has arrived. Yeah. And so, you know, your professor can no more say that uh, that I know the whole truth than than any student can, which isn't to under undermine or uh, undervalue his or her uh, teaching or education. Yeah. Um, but it's to to recognize again, to recognize who we are and our our rightful place in the story. That that the danger of modernism has always been that we have made ourselves into gods. In that we have we have tried to exert the creative power and authority and finality that only God can. That's very funny. That's that's very very specifically um, what I wrote in the paper actually, and he called yeah. he, that's what he called preachy. But I, I mean that is very similar. I, I I said you know one of the great evils of modernity is claiming to know the truth apart from the di- divine uh, assistance or whatever, and uh, and then he was like this is preachy, but. It probably sure. does. I don't really know well, how to write a philosophy paper. I don't. Think. No, it's just. I think it's just the difference between knowing the truth and 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 claiming to know the entire truth. Mm, I mean, it's certainly certainly modernism has helped us to know the truth about a lot of things, right. but not to know the entire truth. Yeah, uh, and, existentially and, or or ontologically. Yeah. Cool. Um, um. So I have a question about taking this one step further because there's the the idealist. Uh, route that this can take in Christ there's no slave nor free male nor female Jew nor Greek or Jew nor yeah Jew nor Gentile yeah. um, um, and I've heard that that interpreted in this kind of uh, uh, almost uh, this void kind of sense like mm-hmm. like cr- cr- what Christ provides is is what is it what Christ provides is the the void Christ provides the 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 vacuum the the lack of all of these identities, you know, when Job, um, when Job, when Job loses everything, you know, the Christ event is 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 that, you know, <laughs> like um, this right. is sort of the the postmodern of kind of kind of dared a truth event trauma, you know, just shaking everything up. Um, but but that's interesting to me as well, and I, I wonder if you can speak to that because 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 it's kind of nihilistic, but but it's um. It's saying that that in Christ there is, you know, nothing. You know, in Christ there you have no identity. In Christ you have no identity but Christ, who is who is um, who is God, who is fundamentally enigmatic, right? And so um, I wonder if you can speak. Well, to I wouldn't. That. I, know, I, I know you don't say agree that, with that. I but, wouldn't say that God is fundamentally enigmatic. Um, I, I do want to speak to that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one of the things to say, you know, whenever you're um, quoting scripture is 
is to sort of recognize the context, right? And and this um, Paul in in the book of Galatians isn't just writing to um, Christians in the 21st century saying you don't have any identity except the identity that you have in Christ, your your ethnicity and ever whatever else doesn't matter. Um, in the book of Galatians, he's writing to the Galatian Christians who are specifically struggling with this issue of how is it that I'm made right with God? Uh, and and it's, there seems to have been a, a case in the church in Galatia where uh, those Christians who had earlier been Jews and been converted were trying to convince Gentile Christians, uh, Greek Christians, that they had to become Jews and follow the law before they could become Christians. Right. So in other words, uh, they were trying to say that the way to Christ was ran through the Old Testament law. Yeah, through this Jewish so, identity or whatever. Right. And so so there was a sense in which our obedience uh, opens up for us an opportunity to be saved by Christ. That was sort of the argument. Right. If that, if that right. makes sense. That's right, yeah. Our behavior, our identity, our, you know, um, purity laws and circumcision and things, these are right. all means to uh, uh, Christ. Right. And so then in, in a sort of response to that, what Paul is saying is that uh, you are all sons of God. This is Galatians 3, verse 26, through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And then he goes into that famous uh, few verses. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Wow. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. So again, we're looking at uh, that that passage has begun and end ending with this idea of sonship. Yeah. And okay. sonship is important because again, for the Jews, they're saying you have to become a son of Abraham in a in a um, in a, in a um, like spiritual sense or something. Okay, yeah. In a spiritual sense, right? You have to become a son of Abraham, uh, which is a Jew. Yeah. And that would be and then you then you can become a son of God. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's a um, there's a power dynamic there that says first become like us, then become like God. Mm. Yeah. And what Paul is saying is, uh, you know, there, there's three categories there, or three comparis three sets of categories, um, and each one of them has to do with that power dynamic. Male nor female, uh, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. Each one of those is is a, a powerful individual or entity and a, a disempowered individual or identity. And 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 so what Paul is saying is not he's not saying your ethnic identity doesn't matter. He's not saying your um, your uh, gender doesn't matter. He's not saying your your employment or your your enslavement doesn't matter. What he's saying is that regardless of those other um, regardless of the power dynamics in your cultural social settings, you are all equally sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And a son in, in the Greek world had all the rights uh, had, had all the rights of that the father gave him. A daughter had very few rights and little inheritance. A son inherited everything. And what Paul is saying is you're all equal in the sense that you all inherit equally the gifts that God gives his people. Yeah, and male and female. Right. Son inheritance. 
Right. That's, that's bold. That's uh, that's uh, yeah, it is. That's progressive. <laughs> but again, and again, this this is important, um, an important passage because it gets at that identity. Yeah. Right. Paul's saying your your primary identity is not and cannot be uh, your your rung on the economic ladder. Your primary identity cannot be uh, your role in the social system. Your primary identity cannot be um, your ethnicity and relationship to other, uh, quote-unquote, more important ethnic groups. Uh, your primary identity is that you are a son of God and an heir of the promise yeah. that God gives to his people. All those other things remain. You, you know, as Christians, we still remain uh, men and women, male and female. We still remain uh, people of a certain ethnicity. Right. And yet that is what, what God says is that that may not be the thing that defines us. That cannot be the source of our identity, the primary source. Yeah. This is cool. This is, and this is this is the leveling of the mountains and the valleys that John, oh, that Isaiah prophesied about, and that John the Baptist was talking about, right? Slave nor free. You know, this, these these level these mountains and valleys are, are equalizing. Um, you know, male female. You know, like equalizing again. And that, that's, but but without it's not a it's not this sort of, or it, it doesn't. I mean, there's maybe a Derridian way to read that, but it but but this is this is a, a, a different interpretation from the this kind of. Uh, you know, we're identity less, you know, um, it's, right. it's, it, but it's, it's a, it's a rootedness, um, again, or, or yeah. however you want to put it. So that's, that's cool. Um, so if listeners are anything like me, they're like, this sounds cool, you know, especially if you're, you're on the, on this, on the, um, slave woman, uh, <laughs> um, like, uh, oppressed side of that, that coin. Sure. Um, yeah. um, it's very exciting. And so, so, or, you know, uh, anxious college student who has his identity and what his professor says about him, right? And so um, so my question then is how, because you mentioned earlier the story and, and, and familiarizing yourself with the story, and that's helpful. So what are, in a, on a kind of a practical sense, what are some ways that, uh, that we can, can find, we can grow? And I like that you, you framed it in story as well, because... Um, because that means that we're never going to be finished and we're never going right. to reach this point where we're like, hooray, I'm a son of God and nothing, you know, I'm bulletproof. Um, right. But, yeah, but, not until Christ comes back. That's right. Know. That's right. Not until the, until the new kingdom. But what are some ways that we can progress forward, I guess, in that sonship? What are some practical ways right. of like, you know, when that crisis happens, when that identity crisis comes, what are some ways that we can then um, stop recenter ourselves in, yeah, in, in yeah. Jesus and and uh, and just grow yeah. deeper. Well, I mean, this is maybe going to sound very conservative or very basic. Um, you know, maybe a disappointment. Um, <laughs> you know, I had a uh, I had a coach in high school. I was on the basketball team, and he told me, if you want to increase your vertical by a foot, what you have to do is every night go home and get on your stairs in your house. And put your toes on the stairs, and with your toes only, lift your heels above your stairs, lift, put your heels below your stairs, and do that a hundred times every night. And wow. after a month, you'll increase your vertical. And then we were all, um, we were all sort of amazed by that, and said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're going to do it." And he said, "But let me warn you, none of you is going to do this because it's too easy. It's too simple. None of you are going to do this because you're all looking for something better and something, huh. uh, you know, more." 
more flashy or more exciting. I forget exactly what he said, but that was the effect of it. Um, and it was true. For about three days, I did those leg raises on the steps, and then uh, I just found that I had better things to do. Right. Um, anyway, so so that's just an analogy to say that, uh, you know, Jesus in John 10, when he says, I am the good shepherd, he says, I am the good shepherd, and uh, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. They hear my voice, and they follow me. And And so then the question becomes, well, do you know who the good shepherd is? Do you, do you really know God? I mean, that, I think, is one of the most practical ways, or one of the most practical questions that you can ask yourself. Do you know God as he reveals himself to us, uh, specifically in Scripture? Yeah. Just, you know, so, so one, of the, one of the practical ways moving forward is, is to read your Bible uh, and to read it regularly and to read it often and to read it in big chunks. And then, uh, but I would echo what my what my coach said in high school to say that you know many of us won't do that because it seems like too easy, and we would much rather have some sort of big flashy. Yeah, we uh, want the the uh, that that consciousness challenge. expanding drug or that uh, right. that that charismatic falling over experience or that um, which I mean I don't know right. either or both or neither of those things could be could be helpful. But yeah, um, so so one of the things would be just to read simply read your Bible. Um, pick up, pick a point, start, and and continue. I think a second a second thing to do is to be obedient. When you understand, when you read the word, and you try and understand what it says, then do what it says to do. Huh. Um, and and it's not. I mean, it, it it can be more complicated than that because not everything in the Bible uh, is clear. And and yet, uh, the Reformed doctrine of the perspicuity of Scripture says that everything we need to know for salvation is is clear enough in scripture that we, even a child can understand it wow that we all can understand it i mean and and this is sort of you can go the same way about this too right just sometimes just simple obedience isn't enough for us yeah in the old, in the old testament there's that story of uh naaman who's a um very important commander in the assyrian army i believe and he goes to the prophet elisha to be healed and Elisha tells him to go bathe in the Jordan seven times, uh, and you'll be cleansed of your leprosy. And he doesn't want to do it because he just thinks it's below him. Mm, and yet, yeah. this little is this little Israelite servant girl he has literally says to him, "My Lord, if 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 the prophet would have asked you to do some grand thing, would you not have done it?" Wow, that. And yet, and yet here, you know, all he asked you to do <laughs> is just go jump in the river a couple times. <laughs> You think you're too good. He's like, no, I want to kill a bear and use the bear's right, blood yeah. to like, and then climb a mountain. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, climb seven mountains. Then he yeah. would have been on it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it it was just that. So the simple act of to be of obedience, he felt like he was too good for it. He wanted oh, something yeah. better. Yeah. And yet, scripture also gives us a picture of in the parable of the talents. Jesus says, "Those of you who are faithful with little, I will give you more things." Mm. But we don't get to start out on the top run. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Breeze, oh man, that that so, that. So isn't that disappointing though, right? Yes. To just to just hear the words, you know, read your Bible, work to understand it, yeah. do what it says. Yeah. Yeah, that's. And yet that really is at the heart of what it meet, what it looks like to have a Christian life. Yeah, that's but that's all because because that that is disappointing. Um, but 
but it's uh, it's so it's exciting for those of us who have tried so many of the the magic tricks, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and and have just found them so to be so empty. You know, it's this this simplicity. They're just illusions after all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dang. Cool. That's and that's and that's a perfect place to end. Um, but but the and then we can keep talking till uh, till you have to go. Sure. But uh, um, the last question I ask everybody on the podcast, and this is maybe kind of a tricky one, but I've told you about this before, is what's your heresy? Because I'm convinced that everyone believes oh, yeah. something that's not biblical, or you know, we we, we all we all want to believe. Um, we all want to believe the truth, um, but there's certain things like, you know, so for someone, it's like, I, I just can't believe in a literal resurrection. That doesn't make any sense to me, so I don't. And and so just being honest about these things that either – either there or or things that were like, you know what? I actually legitimately think the Bible is preaches universalism, um, all, all different sorts of, of, of things. But I think everyone has some kind of kind of heresy that uh, that they hold. And uh, if you're gonna lose yeah, your yeah. job over it, you don't have to share. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not worried. I, I won't lose my job. Uh, people <clears throat> like me enough here that they're not gonna kick me out. Not yet. Even least. even if you're 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 a heretic. <laughs> um, I think he's, he's a Gnostic, um, but he's a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is so much a heresy, but I know that a lot of people have a problem with this. Okay, so, cool. So I'll yeah, that, share it. That sounds perfect. Um, I happen to think it's not a heresy, uh, but. But some people do. Awesome. Um, I think that that the Bible offers for us um, assurance of salvation. That if if what you're looking for is the assurance that you will be saved, then put your faith in Jesus Christ, and uh, and He will save you. It's it's just as simple as that, uh, and that's the picture that the Bible paints for us. I think what the Bible goes into far less detail about is what you have to do or what you have to not do in order to be condemned to hell for eternity. And so my heresy, if you want to call it that, um, or or my thought has always been, uh, wouldn't it be just like God if there were far more people in this new creation that he's going to make for us than we expect? Um, you know, wouldn't it just be, be just like God if by his grace he saved far more people than uh, those whom we, whom we expected him to save uh, because they had all the right answers? Um, so are you comfortable with saying, like, even, even the Buddhist who's meditating, um, you know, perhaps he's having, having an experience with Christ and he doesn't know it, like that kind of thing? Well, well I mean, I think... I think the door is open for God to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I mean, this is precisely my point that it's not my place to judge and to say this person is or this person right. isn't. Right. And yet, um, again, going back to the Bible, uh, I think it's. I think it's with Abraham. Uh, Abra- Abraham is begging for for Sodom and Gomorrah. He's bartering with God. Um, I think it's Genesis 18. And uh, and he says to God something to the effect of, far be it from you to to uh, destroy the righteous along with the wicked. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And and the way that that's sort of set up is um, the Hebrew 
words anticipate the answer yes. It's not a um, it's not a real question. It's a rhetorical question, and it, and it expects the answer yes. That yes, the judge of all the earth will do right. And and that's where it comes down, or that's what it comes down to for me to say that, um, as, especially as Christians, we need to be so careful about just writing people off or condemning them to hell because the judge of all the earth will do right, and that doesn't mean that he's going to send fifty percent north and 50% south or whatever, you know, mm. however you want to picture it. Yeah. Uh, what is right in God's eyes and what's pleasing to him may be to, to save far more people than we could ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I like that a lot. I think that's, I think that's really good. Yeah, God will save more than... It reminds me of the, the parable of the talents, you know? I feel like that's very much like a lot of these kind of inside... People who know the inside-outside... Uh, the Christians who say they know the who's in and who's out, um, sure. there's going to be so many of those. Like, I was working all day and I didn't get any. Yeah, yeah. Uh... And so, yeah, I think that's I, I think, think that's good insight. I like that. Yeah, there's sort of a, um, a joke that I heard growing up about Christian reform people. It said, um, you know, every, at the end of the world, everybody got to heaven and um, there was rejoicing and excitement and uh, jubilation everywhere and. and St. Peter was walking people around, showing them all the different rooms and stuff. Um, and they walk past the room and somebody put their door, their, their hand on the doorknob in order to open the door. And Peter said, Oh no, don't, don't open that door. Uh, and, and he said, Oh, why not? He said, Oh, that room's full of Christian reform people. And they think they're alone. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's so good. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's a sense in which, uh, you know, sometimes we just have a too narrow of a view of, of what God did, what God does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, sweet. Thanks, Adrian, so much for being on. Yeah, you're welcome. On, on this, this has been so much fun, and uh, we'll I'll probably we'll probably talk again maybe sometime. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. I do have to go. I got a meeting shortly, but okay. Uh, I love I love you, and thanks for the interview. Yeah, I love fun. you too. Have a good meeting. Okay. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye.